From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's good to be with you if we've not met before. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you joined us today. Uh, Our scripture is from Matthew, and we're looking at chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from God commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was uh, driving with my family out to the the mountains. It was for Thanksgiving weekend. And so our family had a a few hours in the car to to spend together. And we've got a a couple small children, as some of you know. And if you've ever done a road trip with small kids, you know that you got to keep them entertained. Otherwise, things will go south very quickly. And I was driving, and, and so one of the ways that uh, my wife was, was keeping the kids entertained was she was introducing them to, to new music that they had never heard before. And at a certain point, she played a song by Taylor Swift. And of course, the kids loved that because everybody loves Taylor Swift. And so she played another song by Taylor Swift, and they liked that too. And uh, one thing led to another. We ended up on this random playlist of Taylor Swift's greatest hits. And so I'm driving along, listening to all of these old Taylor Swift songs that I, most of which I'd forgotten about. Um, And one song came on that jumped out to me because I knew that this sermon was coming up and it it hit me that like this song is actually a pretty good illustration of of a theme that we see in this this passage. Uh, One of Taylor Swift's greatest hits is a song called Shake It Off. Many of you know the song. And here's how the song begins. I'm not going to sing it, but, but I'll read to you what Taylor sings. She, she says, uh, I stay out too late, got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm-mm. That's what people say. Mm-mm. She, she goes on. I, I go on too many dates, uh, but I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. Mm-mm. That's what people say. Mm-mm. Some of you are going to have this stuck in your head for, for the rest of the day. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Well, this song on the surface, it's about Taylor and her relationship drama, which she seems to have a lot of and, and how she deals with, with all of that. Uh, but I, I think one of the reasons that this song became so popular is not just that it's kind of an earworm, you know, ca- catchy tune, uh, but it's because Taylor is singing about something that all of us can relate to. She, she's singing about the fact that she's got all of these people 
and all of these voices telling her what she needs to do, how she needs to change, who she needs to be. And you don't have to be a young woman with lots of relationship drama to, to resonate with that, right? Because the truth is all of us are bombarded all the time with all these different voices telling us who, what we need to do and how we need to change and, and who we need to be, right? I mean, we, we get it from all directions. We get it from commercials telling us, hey, here's what car you need to be driving. Uh, here's what clothes you need to be wearing. Here's what the couch in your living room needs to look like. We get it from social media. Hey, here's what your vacations need to look like. Here's what your family needs to look like. Here's what your body needs to look like. We turn on the news, whether it's a news TV or, or news app or, or whatever. Uh, we, we turn on the news and, and we're told, Here, here's how you need to vote. Here's how you need to think about this issue or, or that issue. Here's how you need to talk about politics to show everybody that you belong to this political tribe and you're not like those people on the other side of the political fence. All these voices bombarding us, right? And it's not just from media. Sometimes it's, it's from places closer to home. Sometimes we get it from, from people at work. You know, Here's where you should be in your career by now. Here's how much money you should be making. Sometimes we get it from friends. Uh, here's what kind of food you need to be eating. Here's how you need to raise your kids. Here's what a good mom looks like, right? Or we get it from, from family. Here's what you need to major in. Here's the kind of person you should marry. Here's what you should be doing with your life. In the words of Taylor Swift, that's what people say, mm-mm, right? All these voices telling us what we need to do, how we need to change, who we need to be. And a lot of times the, these voices are implying to us that if we don't do what they say, things are not going to go well for us. That if we don't do what they say, we're going to face judgment. We're going to face criticism. We're going to face shame. So we better do what they say so that we can find acceptance and, and value and, and, and happiness, right? So it's like, you know, drive this car so that nobody can ever doubt that you're successful, uh, post these kinds of pictures so that you can show everybody that things in your life are, are going well. Do this, do that. So you can convince yourself and, and everybody else that you are living the life that you want. That the problem is, so often we do get the car or we do post that kind of picture or we do what, whatever and we find that we're still not accepted and valued and, and happy in the way that we want to be. Because every time we do what one of the voices says, we're met by a billion other voices telling us, hey, here's what else you need to do. Here's how else you need to change. Here's who else you need to be. And so instead of feeling accepted and valued and happy, what we really end up feeling is exhausted. And we feel frustrated. And we feel resentful with our lives, right? I mean, I just let's, let's be honest. How many of us are feeling exhausted right now and frustrated right now and, and at least a little bit resentful right now. And to make matters worse, our culture has no solution for this. What our culture tells us to do, hey, if you're exhausted, if you're frustrated, if you're feeling re resentful, you just haven't made it yet, right? So that just means, hey, you need to keep trying. In fact, you need to try harder. And by the way, here's a billion more voices telling you all these different ways that you can get where you're trying to go. Is it any wonder? that so many of us are exhausted and frustrated and, and resentful. So that's the bad news. Let's get to some good news. The good news in all of this is that God knows 
that we struggle with this. You know, we, we live in a day and age where we've got mass media in a way that just didn't exist in, in prior generations uh, for, for human beings. Um, so that's a new situation. But this, this basic problem of just being bombarded with all these different voices, that's actually nothing new. And God knows that we struggle with this. And, and unlike our culture, God actually loves us. God actually cares about us. And so God gives us a solution and, and shows us a better way. And so I want us to, to spend a little time here in, in Matthew chapter 1 in, in this story. And for our purposes today, I want us to, to focus especially on Joseph and his role in this story. Because as we're going to see, uh, Joseph is a guy who's not so different for, from us in a lot of ways. He faced a, a ton of pressure. He had a ton of voices coming at him about what he needed to do and how he needed to change and who he needed to be. And as a result, he's able to, to model for us how we can navigate similar kinds of voices in our own lives. So let's take a look at this and, and see what we can learn. I know this is a familiar story for probably almost all of us, uh, but here's how it goes. We're told there's this young couple, uh, they're named Mary and, and Joseph, and when we first meet them here, they are engaged, but they're not yet married. And this is a very traditional society, right? So Mary and Joseph are not yet living together. They're not hooking up. Um, they're probably hanging out a good bit during the day, but like with all the lights on, with lots of people around, that kind of thing, that's just how it was in their society. Uh, that's so far so good, right? Well, um, at a certain point during this period where they're engaged, but, but not yet married, uh, Mary becomes pregnant. Mary becomes pregnant. And even though this was 2,000 years ago and they didn't have modern science like we have today, they still knew where babies come from, right? Everybody knew where babies come from. And Joseph knew that that baby was not his. And so by all appearances, now in a minute we'll get to what was really going on, uh, but by all, by all appearances, what this meant was that Mary had gotten together with another guy, right? She had cheated on Joseph. And in the process, Mary had broken laws in that society. And she had certainly broken a lot of customs and, and expectations, in that society. Um, now, a lot could be said about Mary and her experience in all this and her position in, in all of this. And uh, there's a lot of important things to, to explore there. But for our purposes today, I, again, I want us to keep, uh, keep the focus on Joseph. So, so think about his situation in the middle of all of this. Joseph, through no fault of his own, he finds himself suddenly in the middle of this huge scandal. And this took place in a relatively small town, right? This is a place where word travels fast, and secrets don't stay secret for, for very long. And, and people talk and, and all of this. And Joseph is confronted with this big question of, of what's he going to do? You know, how's he going to handle this, this scandalous situation? And, and we can imagine that suddenly Joseph found himself bombarded with all these different voices. Telling him what to do. How he needed to change. Who to be. In this situation, we can imagine that many voices were, were telling Joseph to prosecute Mary. Because again, in that society, what she had apparently done was illegal. And there was a legal punishment for it. And that could include up to the death penalty. And there would have been some people in Joseph's ear telling him, hey, prosecute her. You know, law and order make an example out of her. There would have been other voices coming at Joseph saying, well, like, you know, may maybe that's too much. Maybe don't prosecute. But you at least need to shame her publicly. Because after all, you know, she's humiliated you. She's embarrassed you. So, so don't you have a right to, to shame her and, and kind of save face in that way? Some people would have thought so. 
There were probably other people, other voices t- telling Joseph that, you know, well, take a more compassionate approach. You know, like Mary has apparently made a, a very serious mistake here, but you guys are both young. You've got your whole lives in front of you. So just like break up with her quietly, minimize the scandal, and then both of you can just kind of go your separate ways and, and try to move on with your life. So some people would have been telling Joseph that. So, so what's Joseph going to do? All these people, right? That's what people say. Mm-mm. What's Joseph going to do? Matthew tells us that he was leaning towards that third option, the, the compassionate breakup uh, option, but he hadn't really decided and he certainly hadn't acted on that just yet. Now notice what happens next in the story. And here's the part that I really want us to, to pay attention to here. Uh, one night, as all this is going on, one night, Joseph goes home apparently all, all by himself. And when he gets home, he, he gets very, very still. And he gets very, very quiet. And we can imagine Joseph is, is emotionally exhausted. How, how could he not be? And at some point, Joseph drifts off to sleep. And while Joseph is quiet, in fact, while he's asleep, finally, Joseph hears from another voice. This is what Matthew tells us in in verse 20. As Joseph was thinking about this, that is this this whole complicated, messy situation, as Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream. A.K.A. Joseph's about to receive a message from God. What is that message? Well, here's what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why? Because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, AKA, uh, God is saying to Joseph, look, Mary has done nothing wrong. She's completely innocent. She's been perfectly faithful. She's been perfectly loyal. God is telling Joseph, despite what people are going to say, despite what people are going to think, that this child that Mary is carrying has come from me. That The angel goes on. Uh, She, that is Mary, uh, she will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In other words, God is saying, Joseph, look, I am sending Jesus. I'm sending the the Messiah. I'm sending the, the Savior of the world into the world through your family. God is saying to Joseph, I'm calling you to be the father of Jesus. Not in the biological sense that's already been taken care of, right? But in the, in the human family sense, I'm, I'm calling you, Joseph, to raise Jesus as your own son. As your own son. So don't, so don't prosecute Mary. Don't shame Mary. Don't humiliate Mary. Don't even break up with her, God is saying. But, but, but take Mary as your wife. Well, not long after that, Joseph wakes up from this dream. And now he's got a choice to make. Right now he's got a choice. Is he going to listen to the voices or is he going to listen to God in this moment? Is he going to find his identity in what the voices are telling him he should do and how he should change and adapt to this and, 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 and who he should be? Or is he going to find his identity in what God is saying to him? And we all know the Sunday school answer is listen to God, not the voices, right? But there's going to be serious consequences if Joseph does that. If he takes Mary as his wife like God told him to do, he's going to face so much judgment and criticism and shame. All those people who wanted him to to prosecute Mary, they're going to judge him if he doesn't. All the people who wanted him to shame Mary publicly, 
They're going to shame him. If he doesn't, all the people who thought that he should break up with her, her quietly, they're going to criticize him if he takes Mary as his wife. So what's Joseph going to do? Is he going to listen to those voices or is he going to listen to God? Well, here's what Matthew tells us. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from God commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. That even though he knows he's about to face judgment and criticism and shame, nevertheless, he chooses to listen to the voice of God. Why? Because Joseph is wise enough to know that those voices are actually not going to lead him to the life that he really wants anyways. Those voices are not actually going to lead him to be accepted and, and valued and, and happy, at least not in any kind of lasting way. And Joseph knows that the voice of God is going to lead him to the life that he was created for. And that's who Joseph wants to be. And that's the life that Joseph wants. And I know Joseph didn't make this decision for the fame, but this is really interesting to think about. If Joseph had chosen to listen to the voices, he would have avoided a lot of judgment and criticism and shame, absolutely. In many ways, his life would have been easier. He probably would have gone on to live a pretty normal life. And then he would have died. And then everybody would have forgotten about Joseph. Just like we've forgotten about everybody else who lived in Nazareth in the first century. But because Joseph had the courage to be different, because he had the courage to, to stand up and follow God's voice in the face of all the judgment and criticism and shame, he was able to play a role in something that changed the world forever. And that's why we're still talking about Joseph here 2,000 years later, all the way on the other side of the world. It's, it's pretty Incredible. So here's what I think ultimately we can learn from Joseph. When, when we're being bombarded with all the different voices in, in our own lives, telling us what we need to do and who we need to be and how we need to change and, and all of this, the, the solution for us is not to just keep trying harder. You know, that's what our culture tells us to do. The, the real solution is to do what Joseph did, to, to find ways to, to be still and to get quiet and, and to listen for the voice of God. What is God telling me to do right now? How is God calling me to change? Who is God calling me to, to be? If we can keep listening to the voice of God, that's going to lead us to the life that God created us for. So in closing here, let, let's try to make this practical. And I want to give you a, a question to be re reflecting on. Uh, how are you making space in your life how are you making space in your life to turn down the volume on all the voices and to turn up the volume on the voice of God? Let me say that again. How are you making space in your life, in your schedule, with your time, with your energy, with your resources? How are you making space to turn down the volume on the voices so you can turn up the volume of the voice of God? Remember, Joseph finally heard God's voice when he got quiet, when he got still, when he separated himself from the voices. And what we can deduce is that that's something that Joseph ended up teaching Jesus how to do because we see Jesus doing the exact same thing over and over again throughout his ministry. Jesus faced as many voices as anybody, right? There was all kinds of judgment and criticism and shame. People were constantly telling Jesus, hey, if you really want to be the Messiah, here's what you need to do, right? If you really want people to believe that you're the, the son of God, here's all the things that you need to, to change. If you really want people to take you seriously as the Savior, here's who you need 
to be. Jesus was bombarded. And what did Jesus do? One of the things he did was that consistently he would make time to go off by himself, to, to pray. That is to, to listen to God's voice. He turned down the volume on the voices so that he could turn up the volume on the voice of God. He, he went to the synagogue every weekend to, to worship, to spend time with God, to listen to the scriptures, to, to preach sermons and listen to, to, to sermons so that he could be listening for the voice of God. And what we know is that all of Jesus' most influential followers over the last 2,000 years have found ways to do this very same thing. All of the Christians who have made the, the greatest impact on social justice in this world, they've found ways to do this very same thing. You know why? Because the, the voices, if you listen to them, they're not going to lead you to make radical social change ever, right? They're not going to ask you to think about what you can sacrifice. They're not going to ask you to, to think about how you can serve somebody else, how you can make somebody else's life better, how you can use your influence to, to, to make a positive change in the world. That's not what the voices lead us to do. And so if we're going to do those things, if we're going to be influential, if we're going to follow in the way of Jesus, we, we simply have to make space to turn down the volume on the voices so we can turn up the volume on the voice of God. How do we do that? I want to give you just a, a couple of practical suggestions. Uh, one way to do it, if you're not already in the habit, is, is to make sure you're participating in worship. I mean, and, and not just like every so often when you happen to, to feel like it, but like consistently as a, as a consistent rhythm in your life, you know. And if you can't make it to, to in-person worship where you're getting the, the full experience, um, at least tune in like you're doing like this uh, online. Why? Because worship is one of those ways that we turn down the volume on the voices so that we can turn up the volume on the voice of God. Another way we can do this is to make sure that we've got some daily habit of prayer or devotion, that we're spending at least a little bit of time each day, or at least most days, when we're, we're spending time in prayer, when we're, we're taking time to read scripture, when, when we're intentionally reflecting on what is God doing? How am I seeing God at work in my life right now? Because when we do that, that's a way to turn down the voices of the world, to, to turn up the voice of God. Uh, there's so many other ways that we can actively do this. We can join a volunteer team here at church. Uh, we can join a small group. We can participate in, in mission projects. All of these are active ways that we can turn down the voices so we can turn up the voice of God. And if we can keep finding ways to do that, it's going to save us from, from so much exhaustion and frustration and resentment in our lives. It's going to save us from all this pressure to conform and to be who all the different voices say that we need to be. It's going to liberate us so that we can stay focused, just like Joseph did, on being who God created us to be. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving and merciful God, um, as you well know, we live in a world it has a bunch of different expectations for us, that has a whole lot of advice for us, that has a whole lot of messages for us about what we need to be about, what we need to do, and what we need to change, and who we need to be, God. Uh, and it can be overwhelming as we try to, to navigate that, Lord. Uh, we, we confess that oftentimes we, we listen to the voices, and then we run this way, and we run that way, and we seek fulfillment here, and we seek it over there, and, and we think that we're going to arrive if we just find the right combination of voices and make the right changes, and, and yet it never seems to work, at least not in a, a lasting way, God. So, so we're, we're grateful that as we struggle with this, you don't just leave us alone to figure it out, but you give us guidance. 
You give us encouragement. You give us direction. We're, we're grateful for the example of Joseph that we can learn from, who helps us to see the importance of, of turning down all those voices so that we can turn up your voice in our life. God, give us the discipline to do that consistently um, and, and give us resilience because we know that, that building those habits into our lives can sometimes lead us to, to feel a sense of, of judgment from others, to, to feel a sense of shame or, or criticism at times. God, help us to, to find a sense of inner peace in the face of, of all of that. that, that peace that comes from our deep knowledge of your love for us and, and our deep knowledge that we are pursuing who you've created us to be and not what anyone else says we should be. Thank you for your help with this, God. Thank you for your calling on our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, friends, there's a couple things here quickly for us before we go. Uh, if you are new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. Uh, if you just click the connect link in the video description or the podcast description here, uh, I'll reach out to you later this week. I look forward to, to connecting with you. Also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. You can get on our website, kindrednc.church and get all the information about how to do that. And finally, definitely be sure to click the announcements link. Uh, that's got a bunch of information for you about ways that you can get involved and stay engaged with us and, and keep growing in your faith with us here at Kindred Church as we are on this Advent journey towards Christmas. So with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.